0: This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And
1: Storage King.
0: The king of storage moving forward. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Willem Van and shortly and in a week marked with sadness at the loss of rock star football pundit Damien Lovelock. We're going to have a special tribute at the end of the show with our mate Francis Leach to reflect on the passion of a man who was football through and through. Looking forward to that yarn with the great Frank Leach. But the world game rolls on and we'll chat about the just released A-League draw in full. But with the English Premier League kicking off on Saturday morning, where else would we start? And we will do that with the voice of football in this country, Australia. Fox Sports' very own Simon Hill and with the Matildas news a little quiet in recent weeks following the World Cup, we're going to look to the future of the women's game with former Matilda Leah Blaney, promoted to head coach of the young Matildas and the future Matildas program. It's a huge dual role but on all accounts she is the woman for the job and a great story there to see a woman in charge of the future of football in this country and with the excitement of the FFA Cup continuing we'll wrap up the recent results, look ahead to the round of 16 and take a preview at the highlights of the A-League draw just released with our very own former Notts County man and 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Dean Hennessy. In the second hour, as we always do, Willem's going to kick off with second edition news and the latest on Matildas and Socceroos Central. And we're going to spend some time talking to the Adelaide advertisers, Val Miliaccio, who this week broke the absurd story that the South Australian government had snubbed the 2023 Women's World Cup in a ridiculous action, branded and slammed by football people around the country for its narrow-minded and blinkered decision that it is. We'll continue with the European action Wrap it up with Francis, as we say With the Damien Lovelock tribute In a special edition of Stoppage Time Michael, um, so much to talk about in any week of football But uh, it was a sad way to start though, wasn't it?
2: It certainly is Um, Obviously uh, Damien, much loved uh, by everybody involved Close in the game And uh, I uh, I knew him a little bit And um, was shocked to hear the news actually Francis is a very close friend So he will... um, no doubt to provide a fitting tribute at the end of the show, but also um, my club, as you know. Uh, people would know that I talk about Heidelberg from time to time. It's been a sad week for them too. They've lost Pat Bannon this week, uh, 221 games between 1973 and 19, 1981. He succumbed to uh, his battle with cancer, and I know all of the... Uh, community at, uh, Alexander, uh, feeling a very popular player. Sorry to hear that, very, very popular player. So, sad news to start with. Um, obviously, really looking forward to talking to, uh, to Val over in Adelaide, uh, because, the South Australian government. Fair what's going What are the, what are they doing? I mean, they call them. They are a bit different over there. Mm-hmm. They they are the free settlers. They, they you know they speak a bit differently to the rest yes. of Australia. They uh, they rate themselves a little <laughs> bit, but they obviously haven't got in touch with the biggest, most impactful standalone global women's sporting event in the mm-hmm. world. Uh, yeah, I mean. I, Let's hope they change their mind. And obviously, those people who enjoyed, like I did, Wednesday night's uh, FFA Cup, the, the the remaining round of 32 games, including the Goose, Rob. And we might talk to Simon Hill a little bit later. Don't bring about up the Goose. The Goose. I'm going to talk don't to him later about the Goose. Please so bring it up. Hang around, and we're going to talk about the Goose with Simon Hill. But let's go to some news <coughs> with Willem van Denderen.
3: G'day, gents. How are we going? Yeah, very good, mate. The new A-League fixture has finally been released with Adelaide United to kick off against Sydney FC on October the 11th. Western United will play their first game in Wellington. I think that's a really good decision, giving a little rivalry that's building there. A couple of noteworthy points. Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC have lost the Australia Day Big Blue. Western United will play Adelaide on Australia Day. Round 18, here's one for you, Edge, is Rebel Sport play football round. I don't know what they plan to do in any of the other rounds. Grand final will be on either the 16th or 17th of May. I think it looks like a good fixture. Wellington are taking a couple of games to Auckland. Brisbane will play three in Redcliffe. Western United three in Ballarat. I think, uh,
2: Willem, uh, the only other item to really sort of talk about in relation to the draw is the fact that uh, not everybody plays each other three times as as in previous editions of the A-League. There's three buys. Unfortunately, it's a fixture this year rather than a draw. That's right. So they've had an algorithm that's uh, sort of levelled out the teams about how many times they travel. And uh, I did um, have breakfast with Laurie McKinnon this morning and Ernie Merrick who told me that they were pretty happy with the draw from a Newcastle perspective because they only went to Wellington once and only went to Perth once. Fair enough. So uh, they're, they're, they're pretty happy. And they've got, obviously... Um, home and away uh, games are in, in fairly even sequence And the other notable thing about the draw Which I'm not happy about And this might be uh, something that the A-League clubs have influenced uh, In the past, um, uh, there's been a lot of criticism Is that playing through FIFA breaks I know, that's pretty crazy uh, I
3: think it? that is not a good idea And um, I'm disappointed about that I actually disagree mm. on that one um, people said a lot in the past that they wanted brace for FIFA window. I found it really broke up the momentum of the season last year in my opinion. And people oh. complain young players don't get enough of a go. I think that's a really good um, opportunity to see squad depth tested throughout the season. Just an opinion? Willem's disagreeing with, with both of us, Rob. Good on him. He's been around long enough, mate. But Willem, so yeah.
2: did you know that if they have two play, if a club has two players called up to the national team they can postpone the game?
3: I think that's fair enough as well. We've seen in the past Wellington have five or six, I think that's too many to be taken yeah. away.
1: Mm. So 13 home and away, each three buys per club um, So
3: um, opening round 11-13 What's total, the date of the that? final? Either the, the 16th or 17th of May, depending on
2: Yeah, so that's yeah. Uh, later than uh, last year
3: The Robbie Fowler era at Brisbane Raw Off to a, a really good start They won 2-0 against Sydney FC last night in Leichhardt Stephen Mork and new recruit Joe O'Shea found the score sheet Now guys, I had a look at Brisbane's FFA Cup record I knew it was pretty poor Turns out it's absolutely dire until this point It was just their second ever win in six campaigns, the first against A-League opposition, so good signs of Brisbane.
2: Yeah, um, track watchers who... I didn't watch that game. I was watching another another game, but uh, uh, track watchers up there say that Brisbane were very, very impressive and uh, their imports look pretty good.
3: There's a few imports as well. A bit of news coming out of our junior national teams. The Joeys have been really unlucky. They've bowed out of the AWF under-15 championships, despite having a 4-0 win in their last match. So they finished third in their group on 10 points. Malaysia and Thailand progressed with 11. The, the Malaysian
2: loss 3-0 to Malaysia was what cost them. Um, but uh, all in all, a pretty good tournament. And we obviously spoke to Trevor Morgan last week. And, um, and uh, obviously uh, plenty of players got plenty of time and... And good luck to them.
3: And the under-18s have kicked off their campaign with a 5-1 win over Cambodia. So this is the side Gary Van Egmont manages. They will now play Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia and Singapore over the next week. So we'll have some more news on them in next week's program. And that tournament is in
2: uh, Vietnam. So they'll uh, they'll be playing in front of a full house in Hanoi on Friday evening uh, uh, Australian time. So that's one to watch. Uh, Obviously a
3: very important lead-up to their... Asian Cup uh, later in the year. And we'll just jump back to the FFA Cup. A-League Chief Gregor Rourke has flagged the possibility the team that finishes last in the A-League may miss out on entry into the next season's Cup competition. I think this is a really fantastic idea, to be honest, to create a little bit of competitive tension at the foot of the A-League ladder. Seems only minor, but we need to give it as much context as we (laughs) can. I think uh, the State League clubs don't have any right to enter the Cup. They have to uh, win their way in, so the A-League clubs, it shouldn't be a right for them either. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, what do you think about that one, Rob? Yeah, I I'm, I think um,
1: the, uh, positions are earned rather than just handed out, so I haven't got a real problem with that.
3: So they're keen to keep the 10 team A-League teams to 22 State League split and with an extra team coming in next year that's and amazing. the one after that. One, one, a uh, one A-League team misses out. So Western United won't get in it again. Uh, this one's hot off the press. It's come forward from Socceroo Central. Maslowongo is on his way to Hillsborough. He's officially signed with Sheffield Wednesday. The fee's undisclosed, however, it looks like it's been around 6.2 million Australian. So, what do you make of that move? Uh, look, it was clear that uh, QPR had had uh, enough of Mass, and uh, maybe or well,
2: maybe Mass had had enough of them. Um, really surprising from my perspective, mm. QPR because he has been their best player for the last two years. So, how does a player fall out like that, Edge? Well, I think it's probably to do with uh, oh, we know that he was on a fairly big salary, so I think it's got something to do with that. But Sheffield Wednesday, um, I've got great memories of uh, seeing Sheffield Wednesday play at Derby with um, with Dino. I saw a Derby Sheffield Wednesday game with Dino and. Uh, yeah, I've got great, great memories of, of that club. We know uh, it's a football town, so um, he'll be playing in the derby up there. The, the, uh, no, he won't, because Sheffield United is in the Premier League, so he'll miss that, maybe in the FA Cup.
3: Back to Perth Glory. They seem in a bit of a state of disarray in defence. Shane Lowry has left the club. But he's joined Qatari side Al Ali Doha. And Matthew Speranovic is also holding out on a new deal. Very mysterious character. Who knows where he'll end up next. Uh, Salma Malik is coming in the other way. He signed a three-year deal with the club. Yeah, so there's still another couple of players missing out of that defence. Um, one player has torn his ACL. Uh, what do you make of that, Edge? Uh,
2: Matthew Sparanovic, yeah. I mean, he, he, he when he played for Perth Glory last year, he was great. But he has missed a lot of football over the last three or four years. So not sure whether um, Matthew's going to make it. But, uh, no, they've got some work to do. And Western Sydney stitched them up, didn't they, in the uh, FFA Cup at Dorian Gardens? Dorian Gardens over there. In they did, yep. yep. So yep. Uh, well done to Western Sydney. Well done to them. Well done to you too, Willem. Willem, did you enjoy the goose? Some of your stories, no. I liked the man holding the goose. How happy was he? Yeah, what about his hat? <laughs> Interesting character, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll talk to Simon Hill no, about it. We
1: won't goose. talk to Simon Hill. We are about the we're goose. gonna talk to Simon Hill bit. No, we're not. Yeah, we yes. <laughs> Whoever stopped you doing what you wanted. All right, well let's find out whether we will talk about this goose next on Box the Box when we preview the English Premier League with the great Simon Hill.
0: Box to Box. Can you for Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most
1: crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS uh, News Talk Sport. Now, while domestic Australian football fans have to suffer through the longest off-season in world sport... Um, international football fans only have to wait a couple of months before the next season comes around and that is the case with the Premier League kicking off this Saturday morning our time and the voice of football in Australia is of course Fox Sports Simon Hill and we welcome him back to the show as it's uh, it's sort of Christmas Eve for football fans isn't it Simon? <laughs> That's
4: a good way of putting it I guess. Yeah yeah, I suppose it is really. There's always a buzz of excitement and I've only just returned from the UK and to be honest it was, it was hard to tear myself away. The big build up mm. was starting and Unfortunately, I had an FFA Cup game to call on Wednesday... Um and I missed out on seeing my boys lift the charity shield at the weekend, which was really disappointed about, that anyway.
1: Well, you're still bathing in the afterglow of um, that amazing season. Uh, can, can it get any better? I mean, not, I guess for you, perhaps winning the Champions League and doing the quadruple, but uh, for those of us who um, count ourselves in the red corner, mate, um, one point, you know, an inch is as good as a mile as a uh, hundred points, for God's sake.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's going to be tough to replicate last season, obviously. I mean, that's, that's an understatement, given we won all the Big trophies, yeah. um, but I suppose the, the Champions League is the big one that's missing. Um, I know the City Football Group, the leaders uh, particularly want that competition. Um, I think, to be honest, the the fan base. I said this. Uh, I was I was on a radio station in the UK the other day, and they were they were trying to push me on this. You know, oh, he's got to win the Champions League, and I said, well. Yeah, he does, but I think that's more for the for the uh, for the CFG rather than the fan base. I think the fan base are a bit—I don't know. Well, the, so the
1: city fans have never famously loved the Champions, the Champions
4: League. League. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of love for the competition because I think the, the general feeling is that UEFA don't want us. You know, we've we sort of spoiled the old G14 party by stealing in. Well, sorry about that. Um, uh, and, you know, there's all this stuff about the away for anthem that, you know, they, they booed and we got fined for booing the anthem. Oh, please, you know. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, clearly they want to win it. I'd love us to win it. But you know, if, if, if Pep delivers us another Premier League title and maybe another cup, I, you won't get me complaining.
2: <laughs> Welcome back to Australia, Simon. Uh, no doubt you um, enjoyed the your time. Lovely to
4: hear the
2: ad. It's always good, isn't it? Now, um, your little uh, sojourn back to England. Those people who have lucky enough to be friends with you on Facebook would realise you got pretty excited about England winning the uh, Cricket World Cup. (laughs) And you've been in the recording studio laying down some... uh, not only bashing out the drums, but you've been singing Simon?
4: I have yeah and I was a bit nervous about it to be honest (laughs) Um, I won't bore you with this for too long but uh, this is uh, a band that I played in as long ago as 1982 which is probably longer than some of you have actually been on the planet on this radio show but uh, yeah it was a couple of school guys that I started off my love of drumming and and heavy metal music in particular and thanks to the vagaries of Facebook we all got back in touch a few years ago and Every year now that I go over to the UK, we we go in a recording studio and we, you know, we try and stick a few tracks down. Um, So this year we decided we were doing, we're all big Hawkwind fans. I don't know if you've ever heard of Hawkwind. Um, But uh, we we, we all grew up with that sort of music. So we decided we were going to stick three classic Hawkwind tracks down uh, on tape. Uh, So that's what we did. Unfortunately, our singer um, wasn't available. So... It was either me or the bassist, and I said, go on, I'll have a crack at it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it turns out all right. Still in the mix at the moment, but uh, I'm quite pleased with the results, actually.
2: Very good. Well, Well, I mean, you know, you can commentate, so I reckon you can sing, (laughs) too. We'll break it on the show. But before we ask you to tip a Premier League title winner, I, I must ask you about the goose at Melbourne Knights. I mean... The, the, yeah, what's that what is the what is the, for those people who love the FFA Cup like We all do. It's the the community grassroots uh, clubs really bring a lot of flavour to it. But um, there was a very famous Melbourne Knights fan sitting in the grandstand with his goose. Um, a live goose? Yes, that's Rob's looking at me as if I'm crazy. I'm, I'm,
1: no, no, what I'm trying to do is work out how um, Hawkwind and the Melbourne Knights <laughs> have got anything to do with discussing the Premier League. That's so what's quizzical about. No, I about need to get Simon's to the reaction
2: when he saw the goose with the Melbourne Knights uh, scarf on it. I mean, that was something to behold, wasn't it?
4: <laughs> that was the clunkiest segue I think I've ever heard from Hawkwind <laughs> to the goose. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I looked at Andy Harper quizzically because he played there many times. I thought he might have some insight as to this guy and why he bought his goose. But anyway, yep, uh, I've got nothing. I don't know why. Because
1: G- oh, I've got nothing and, and I've got uh, um, was, a little interest in the goose. So This is Simon Hill, uh, Fox <laughs> Sports expert, commenting on a goose and heavy metal rock. So to drag <laughs> back kicking and screaming to the topic of <laughs> the day is look, to talk to us about, so we know City and Liverpool will probably be up there uh, again.
2: Well, uh, I'll so, tell you what, some you, of the you pundits just, though just I, no, hang on. off there. the top of your tongue there the, the, just the, leaving a few clubs out of there by well, the way. Well, well, that's
1: because you cut me off and you didn't let me f- finish my point um, <laughs> which was that um, I think Frank Lampard could be in a little bit of trouble uh, without Eden Hazard and the inability oh. to get involved in the transfer uh, um uh, system market, Ma- uh Yes yeah. market That's the word I was looking for Thank you Simon uh, Everton uh, uh, <laughs> Wolves Leicester
2: All coming at the uh, that, um, that Champions League Spot Manc- Arsenal Manc- of course Manchester United What does Simon think about them
4: Well I tend not to think too much I know
2: about But but, United, but, uh, but you'll have an opinion I, I, know. I know I do uh,
4: Look I think they'll be improved this year I think Harry Maguire is a good signer I think um, so too. I don't think they're, they're going
2: to win the league No so. ramel Lukaku uh, How old's Harry How old's Harry Maguire around. Simon Sorry, say again. How old is Harry Maguire? He's 26.
4: Harry's... He? Uh, he's, he's at a good age. I think he's
5: 25, maybe 26, maybe. He had played uh, 100 games in the
2: Premier League by the age of 21. So yeah,
4: he's, he's a good player. Mm. And I don't know whether he's worth $80 million, but, you know, that's the Premier League these days. Uh, City were interested in him, but they refused to pay that fee. Um, but he's the sort of player that United need. I mean, they conceded 54 goals last season, which is the most they conceded since 1979. Um, so clearly, and I think they had about six or seven centre backs that they used last year, and none of them really, you know, cut the mustard. So they need a leader in that position. I think they're looking for a Virgil van Dyke or a Vincent Company type leader at the back. Um, I don't know if McGuire is exactly that man, but you know he's certainly got good quality. He can, he's good on the ball as well. He's a leader, uh, and he's experienced, as you pointed out. You know, he's an England international, a regular. Um, and he's a good player. So I think he'll improve Manchester United defensively. Uh, it'll be difficult not to after last year. Um, I think they'll play probably Lindelof alongside him. That'll be my tip. Um, where that leaves the likes of Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, uh, royo etc., uh, etc. Et I don't know. But um, I think United will have a better season. I think they might crack the top four. Uh, Chelsea, as you've alluded to, have got some issues because of the transfer ban. I think that's why they've gone for Frank Lampard, to be honest, uh, and particularly his assistant, Jody Morris, because he knows all those young kids at Chelsea, Callum Hudson-Odoi and uh, Mason Mount, and one or two others, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So, you know, they're obviously going to try and get the best out of those kids, because they have to. Uh, but Hazard leaves a huge gulf, doesn't he? He's a great player.
1: And, um, and what about um, Everton? Uh, Marco Silva had a rattling home, a good season. Um, they... Uh a strong side so uh, would be expected with um, some of the signings there. Um, John-Philippe Jean- Gabamin from Mainz um, and uh, one of Europe's uh, real emerging talents, Moisy Keane from Juventus.
4: Yeah, yeah, he's exciting. And I'll see that uh, the last 24 hours, they put in big money bids for big-name players. I mean, they, they look at if they're going for it during the offseason, which is great. You know, Everton are traditionally a very big club um, they've got big ambition, if you remember back at the you know, the dawn of the Premier League they were one of the so-called Big Five mm. uh, they dropped out of that because of the financial uh, might of you know, some of the others these days um, but they've still got the potential to break back into that, uh, that upper echelon of the game I know they've got plans to build a new stadium as well at Albert Dock which uh, would give them an increased capacity, all the clubs are trying to do that these days the more money you can get, the better to spend. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Everton and, and maybe Wolves and Leicester uh, mm. give you know the, the big guns a good run for their money for for those uh, top positions. Uh, I like Wolves
3: still. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
4: the Portugal think, you know, of, know, the,
1: uh, of the black oh, country?
4: He's fun- yeah, he's done a fantastic job. I know there's a, a question mark or two against the involvement of the agent, Jorge Mendes, yeah. but... Uh, you can't doubt the quality of the players that he's brought in. Uh, I see that they've they've made Raul Jiménez's move permanent. Um, the goalkeeper's good, Rui Patrizio, Ruben Neves in midfield. Uh, it's almost half the Portuguese national team. And I think they've brought one or two others in during the off-season as well. But, uh, you know, seventh last year, they should have really got to the cup final. They were 2-0 up with 12 minutes to go against mm-hmm. Watford and blew it. Um, it's just how they deal with, uh, playing in Europe as well this season and, and how they juggle their squad depth
2: um, Simon, two very quick ones um, Tottenham Hotspur, will they improve on last year or or actually uh, slide backwards, what do you think?
4: Well, again with Spurs I mean, if you're saying that City and Liverpool are going to battle it out for the title, which we all expect them to do, then really the, the best Tottenham can do is, is equal what they did last year and finish third um, and get to the Champions League final, I mean, phew. That ain't easy, is it? Let's be honest. Um, two two big bonuses for Spurs fans this season. One, they've actually spent some money, and uh, Dom Bele looks a very good player in uh, in the heart of midfield. A real sort of Patrick Vieira type, box to box, great engines uh, on him. So I think he's a good sign. in and most crucially of all, they've kept hold of Pochettino. I mean, mm. he's the key. And he yes. said he would have gone if they'd won the Champions League final. So the fact that he's still there, if they can keep Harry Kane fit for a full season, I think they can potentially do as well as they did last year. But I'm and not sure they can win it.
2: The last one from me, the three clubs that were promoted, Aston Villa, Norwich City and Sheffield United, can any of them survive?
4: Well, Villa have spent an awful lot of money uh, well, they had to, so, didn't they?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah,
4: but as Fulham will tell you, that doesn't necessarily yeah. guarantee them staying in the top flight. Norwich have gone the other way. They haven't spent, well, hardly anything, but they've got a good unit. Uh, I, I think that all three have got a chance. Sheffield United have made some interesting signings. Uh, w- watch out for a guy called, I don't know whether you remember this kid, uh, Ravel Morrison.
1: Mm, yeah, we uh, talked about ago. He was weeks, a yeah.
4: teenage wonder kid yeah. at Man United. He's, he's got talent to burn. The problem is, he's a bit of a nutter. Yeah. Um, if they can get the best out of him, and Oliver McBurney, who scored a bag load for Swansea in the championship last year, they might have half a chance as well. It's so difficult to know. Um, you know, the, 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 the one thing I think you have to do as a promoted team, you've got to hit the ground running. You you've got to you gotta start on well the, yeah. on the board early. Yeah. Um, that's what Huddersfield did a couple of years ago. and uh, Because, you know, when the squad depth starts to kick in, then you start to sink a bit so you need to you need to start well
1: well, the two things that I'm um, surprised about in this conversation, apart from a conversation about um, Hawkwind and uh, And that goose—I'm <laughs> goose. um, well, not sure if the goose was edge or the goose—but anyway, moving right along, is that he didn't bring up uh, you know,
4: goose hitting by the way. Uh,
1: yeah, oh, well done. Uh, is uh, you know, Emory, <laughs> but also um, the fact that you you uh, you you um, condemned Liverpool without even uh, giving them uh, any chance. So <laughs> I, didn't I would have nothing. I said they would challenge. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Hey, Simon, thanks again for coming on. Uh, Always fun, mate. Um, Looking forward to the Premier League coming up this weekend. If you're uh, looking
2: for some Manchester weather, get down to Melbourne this weekend, Simon, it's going to be five degrees. I I experienced
4: a bit of that at, uh, at Summer Street last night <laughs> <It's> pretty <laughs> chilly
1: out there well he's got his uh, extra uh, winter coat around his chin there to keep him nice and warm yeah, with that, love that lovely hipster beard going so it's uh, fantastic <laughs> for Simon uh, thanks guys good on you mate Simon Hill Fox Sports Simon Hill uh, the uh, the great man and voice of football in this country we're going to uh, flip over to the young Matildas the future Matildas with the uh, former Matilda herself Leah Blaney to take over from Gary Van Egmond uh, so that's an interesting chat yeah, coming up forward after to the that. break uh, yeah.
2: Leah it's a big appointment that one They've got a, she's got a big year ahead of a, Beauty. That's an excellent the, box uh, Asian box. cup coming up for later. Box to box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And storage games. The king of storage moving and more. This could be
1: the most crucial goal. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport now. You couldn't pick up a newspaper uh, for the first half of the year without uh, talking or reading about the Matildas, but the World Cup has come and gone, and now we look to the future. And our next guest, Leah Blaney, played 16 games for Australia between 2004 and 2006. She worked as an assistant coach with the Young Matildas over the last three years and has now been promoted to head coach of both the Young Matildas and the Future Matildas program, taking over Gary Van Egmond in one of those roles. Leah, a big, big dual role for you. Welcome to the show.
6: Uh, Hi, guys. Thank you. It's um, a
1: pleasure to be with you guys tonight. Yeah, likewise, Leah. And um, and you know, you, you're highly rated, and I know a very humble person as well. So you're not going to be, you know, sort of giving your, yourself pats on the back. But uh, the um, the pundits like us uh, look to the future, and uh, and most uh, Australian football fans uh, think uh, that the the day can't come too soon where a, a woman is appointed to uh, a head coach position at the Matildas. Um, is, is is that something that you aspire to in the long term? Oh, look,
6: I, I certainly have. Of high aspirations um, moving forward, um, but for now, I'm you know, my main focus on the job at hand and the day to day running of the future Matilda's
2: program and, and our young Matilda's. Leah, congratulations on the appointment, it's a terrific uh, development for women's football. I just wanted to um, first of all talk about the important year for the young Matilda's, the under 20s. Um, later in October and November, I think uh, it's a three week tournament, uh, you will head to the Asian Cup, which is the qualifying tournament for the 2020 Women's World Cup in Nigeria I believe. so I'm interested to know um, uh, obviously that's a key event on the calendar. Um, can you tell us about um, how you were going to going to go about um, sort of preparing for that when we're likely to learn uh, squad names and, and those types of things as you lead into that very important tournament? Yeah
6: look it definitely is a very important time for us um, given the, the current track record. Um, of the young Matildas in qualifying for this tournament um, recently um, you know it's a period now where we're a part of Asia which um, with all due respect to oceania it, it presents um, a, a different level of opponent um, which we embrace um, the challenge of, of playing against each time we, we go to these tournaments um, so we've been drawn in, in Group b uh, sorry group a for this tournament um, in which you know poses some strong opponents Um, in in Korea and in Thailand and in Vietnam so we'll certainly be preparing ourselves to, to be at the level to, to play and be successful um, on the international
2: stage for you UC. Well, last time uh, in this event, because obviously um, close followers of the underage groups at International level would realise that every two years there's a World Cup. So two years ago, we had a, an Asian Cup. This team, um, obviously different set of players, they finished fourth and just missed out on qualifying for the World Cup. So it's not an easy task, is it, Leah? Um, some people might think that uh, we have a, a natural advantage over some of these Asian countries, but the competition's pretty stiff.
6: Yeah, look, um, I think as, as we saw in the, in the Women's City World Cup, um, all over the world um, there's been strong progressions for a lot of the nations. Um, and if we look at the Asian nations in particular, um, they've got some very good setups and infrastructures in place to support um, all of their national things. Um, the recent addition of the Future Matildas program has been um, an excellent initiative from FFA to to move and propel our, our youth players forward. And you know, at the end of the day, we're comparing these kids to international football at the senior level. So the importance of success and um, preparing these players for these tournaments is, is paramount to helping us later on.
2: You mentioned the Future Matildas program. It's only uh, relatively new, the concept. Um, Obviously, as a result of the implementation of that, uh, uh, most of the young talent has... Convened and uh, been living in Sydney, playing in the NPLW. Obviously, uh, close watchers of the women's game would realise our W League is not a long competition, so it's very important that the young and developing girls obviously are closely monitored and playing good competition. There's a couple of players that I noted who I would have thought would have been uh, fairly, uh, fairly well cemented in the future Matildas program, but they elected to go to America and play in the. Women's Premier Soccer League. I just wanted to get your thoughts Leah on the decision of Remy Seisman and Melina Ayres who've made very big impacts in the W League. Not participating in the Future Matildas program but going to America to play uh, Remy in California and uh, Melina in, in Seattle. I'm just wondering what are your thoughts on that uh, development pathway as opposed to staying here in Australia? Do you have any thoughts that you can share with us on that?
6: I'm actually not across those players being offered um, positions in the Future Matildas program to, to comment on, on that. Um, however look, you know players are going to um, choose different pathways and um, different opportunities will present at different times um, for them, um, in which you know some players may choose to pursue um, overseas opportunities. Um, again, that's up up to the the individual player. Um, we're providing an, an environment here in Australia that um, the girls have never had before, and the support network and coaching infrastructure around that um, really is the best it's ever been for this um, current group of young players.
1: This is box the box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the recently appointed head coach of the young Matildas and future Matildas program former Matilda herself, Leah Blaney. Now, Leah, um, regardless of the reasons why um, the um, the recent Women's World Cup campaign for the senior Matildas uh, uh, was a disappointment, the outcome was far less uh, uh, standard um, than uh, most of, of uh, the pundits, uh, former players, and fans alike expected. Um, the uh, the the group that you're managing through to those next stages, uh, in terms of their expectations. Uh Clearly, you'll have seen that, um, you, as you've already pointed out, the the the, the changing uh, level of skill pool around the world is 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 uh, a, a dynamic and movable thing. Uh, the expectations of, of this young squad going forward into you know the 2020 um, World Cup in uh, in Nigeria, would you be pulling some of the players out of that senior squad, the likes of Mary Fowler, or, or uh, are you going to be blooding, you know? Junior players all the way through. Some countries, the likes of England, tend to to uh, to allow players to, to miss some of the the junior uh, levels that they're qualified for. Yeah, and
6: look, without going um too far into squad selections and those sort of things, um, obviously um, given our geographic location and the opportunities we have to play um, high level international games. Um, it's, it's very important that um, all of our, our players, whether they're young, middle-aged, junior, or olders, get exposure to, to international football. So, so I would say that um, all, all opportunities um, that present would be um, fantastic for any player.
1: So you'd like every player that's qualified to be available?
6: Yes, in a in an ideal world, yes, um, I would, and I'm sure that um, as a nation, we're, we're very supportive of of wanting to, to do these youth tournaments, I had conversations about the uh, staff and they're very, very supportive of um, the team and um, me in this role and um, I I look forward to uh, that positive um, relationship moving forward between our youth and and senior team players for sure. Well,
2: there's some exciting players uh, that have been blooded in the senior squad, whether that's been trained on, obviously the likes of Mary Fowler and Kyra Cooney Cross and those types of players. So uh, we wish you all the best. Um, just reflecting on uh, your experience in France, Leah. Um, I was there. I saw 18 games and obviously got a, and uh, including all the Australian games, obviously got an appreciation of the uh, the competitive nature of the global uh, the global football environment for women. Um, but just what's it was a, just an unbelievable event. Um, really a step up on uh, on Canada. But what's your own personal reflections of, uh, of France?
6: Yeah, look, I had a, a fantastic time. I was fortunate enough to um, attend the, the opening game between France and, and Korea, which was a phenomenal experience.
2: Um, Certainly was, role, wasn't it? Yeah.
6: Yeah, it was. It was superb. Um, my role there um, was as a scout for the for the field, so I attended you know potential opponent games, um, which had me located um, all, all over France, which um, again was a good opportunity for... You, Um, A lot of nations, I think I attended eight to nine um, World Cup matches in my time, my two and a half weeks there. So um, from a development point of view, it was a superb opportunity. Uh, It was great to see um, the European cultures embrace the World Cup. And um, the support for all football over there was was phenomenal. Um, Really, really great experience and excellent showing for the game across the world.
1: Well, Leah, we wish you luck with this role and into the future blooding and preparing our, our young Matildas for their future careers. Uh, women's football is uh, on the rise and rise and uh, we, uh, we only hope that, um, that this crop that you've currently got under your watch uh, uh, will continue the, the great tradition that's already been established by the, uh, the present um, women and, and those of the past. So uh, good luck, Leah. Hopefully we'll chat to you a few times on the show as uh, you travel the globe and, um, and every success to you.
2: Thank you guys. Good on you, Leah. Isn't it great to see nothing against Gary Van Engelman because we love Dutchie and all the impact he's made in women's football? Mm-hmm. But it, isn't it great to see a female uh, in the uh, national setup coaching team? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a, an awesome development. So well done to Leah, well done to the FFA, and we will watch with great interest and. Uh, uh, Chonburi in Thailand is the place to be uh, at the end of October and the beginning of November. The under twenty, under twenty young Matildas will be doing their thing in Asia and trying to take out the uh, the Asian Cup. So good luck, Leo. That
1: edge. All right, we'll stick around. We're going to flip back to uh, the men's game after the break. We're going to review the final games of the round of thirty-two. Look ahead to the next stage of the knockout and take a bit of a sneak peek at the uh, A leg draw, which was announced in the last uh, forty-eight hours. That is all next on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And storage king, The king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most
1: crucial goal of all. Yes, it's box to box. This is FA Cup time, of course. Uh, However, before we get into it, boys, if, like me, you have a chesty cough and it leaves you hiding away over winter... Seek out relief with Durotas Chesty Fort Liquid from Chemist Warehouse. Its double action formula helps to break down mucus and clear chest congestion. I've taken a little bit of it myself and it's helping me get through this show because you would never have noticed I had a cold apart from a bit of a nasally twang I might be uh, rocking with. But right now, GiroTus Chesty Fort Liquid is just $9.99 at the Great Chemist Warehouse. This medicine may not be right for you, so you must read the label for your purchase. Follow the directions for use, and if some symptoms persist, talk to your health professional. Get back in the game with Durotus, number one at Chemist Warehouse. But Chesty Coughs, where you would never pay more. Great savings every day. Thank you very much, Nigel.
2: Hey, uh, Rob, um, you were just the consummate professional, hmm. um, so you would have listened to last week's show. You know what? I've listened to most of it, and um, did you listen to the library?
1: Yeah, I did. I thought you did a very good job. Yeah, I I'm was just wondering whether Chemist Warehouse had made a request for for me to do them going forward. <laughs> oh no, I just blocked their calls during the week because uh, the the quality <laughs> the, 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 of the the silver tongued. i have taken a poll
2: that they like my. I, I believe
1: that I believe their <laughs> listeners like my library. It's just like a Family Feud on a poll of 1,000 people. <laughs> well, in,
7: in 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 actual respect to Edge's quality yeah, last week, yeah. uh, you've got to this now back onto Brisbane strikers of what a quality performance last Absolutely. night it was. Absolutely, Bon oh, Scott. Bon Scott. I mean, great name, I and mean, we, we all, we've all had a bit of a giggle on that. Obviously, it must be ACDC fans, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Were, it was a good effort because they were two nil up, and then obviously Wellington um, came back. Came yeah. back. Um, but it was Perry Park looked like it was rocking. Oh, uh, it was
7: rocking. Yeah, yeah, it was. That good crowd, especially like for the penalties as well. That was really and, then, and, and obviously
2: for. Um, old fans in NSL. Perry Park was the striker's home grant. It it's their home grant, so yeah, it it's, a, it's a ripper. And look,
7: and to be fair to the Brisbane Strikers, they've, they've had a good little history recently in uh, the FFA Cup. I mean, I know we beat them in an absolute classic at Hume, 4-3 with the last kick of the game. So uh,
3: I'd absolutely love to see some national second division. At Perry Park How good was all the fans Hanging off the rail Behind the goals That's what really we're good. crying
7: out for But again we, we won't, we won't, That's not yeah. the segment right now But I think also A big shout out For the boy Andrew Pengeli What was it 36 goals this season
3: 36 in just 26 games yeah. In the NPL He's only 22 So an early league future Possibly Absolutely And so- also that game Had the uh, The melee yeah, they had
2: and then early. they had the yeah. seven-minute uh, sort of fireside chat between the referees. I mean, brothers. I mean, really, uh, they sort of just had a bit of a chat, and then they pulled out two yellow cards after seven
3: minutes of discussion.
7: And then, you had, and then you had the penalty shootout, which, again, was quite exciting.
3: It was good. Well, a yeah. big welcome to Australia for David Ball, who missed two penalties in his first match. He did, match, yeah. So welcome, he did. David. Yeah, David, well done. Let's <laughs> we'll step away from Judy for a bit. The,
7: uh, the other giant killing, uh, or potential giant killing, uh, and certainly a banana skin for Adelaide United, wasn't to be. You uh, unbelievably bad weather, like what Melbourne can often <laughs> have down at Night Stadium. But uh, it was a five-two uh, defeat with Adelaide. Quite impressive from front of goal. Uh, Riley they were, weren't Ma- they? I, Riley McGree, I thought, was quite. In Ben Halloran, I quite liked his performances. But I thought first half give Melbourne Knights credit. I thought they were quite good value. And I thought give, e- even a Tiller off like who I've coached before at Hume, I thought he was quite direct and. You know, did you
2: think oh. that they'd, um, uh, you know, they just put the name Ben Halloran up in the, <laughs> up in the uh, change rooms earlier and said, okay, we're going to kick him all night. Everyone yeah. take their oh, turn. Oh, mate, they hammered him. The some bad, was some bad it was just they that. just rotated through. I mean, he he copped it. He did. Hey, what did you think of um, Alassane Toure? I mean, yeah, uh, the like, young fellow from yeah. Adelaide again, the African uh, disparate, uh, throwing up a, another another play for us no, in Adelaide. very good. He showed a bit, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He yeah, did. And, it, and I, I think improved. on on a, uh, a faster deck and a and a, and a better surface, I think he'll be even better. But uh, for me, the I mean Ben Halloran scored two goals. But for me, the play that just looked totally in control, totally comfortable and totally better than everybody else was Riley McGree
7: yeah McGree mm, stood that was out fantastic. absolutely yeah cruising. Hey,
2: what about Melbourne victory <laughs> in Newcastle Jets take us through this one Dino well
7: it's 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 a funny old game as they say but Andrew Naboot uh, flying uh, obviously 2-0 up two goals from from Andrew um, didn't celebrate the goal either which you know that's the respect from the Newcastle Jets
3: no but you know who did was Teo Pelizzari on commentary he's fantastic get so out of here Andrew Naboot get out <laughs> of <you>. here <laughs> yeah
7: um but but then there was just, you know, uh an unbelievable comeback and uh and I thought at the end, I mean, obviously it went into extra time, but they end up winning 3-2 and it's a fabulous result for the Jets.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I did catch up with Laurie for breakfast this morning and um, and I said, well, what were you thinking at 2-0? He said, not much. I was going to walk <laughs> home, not get on the team, but I was not happy. And then he said, obviously, you know, you take your luck in those sort of comebacks, don't you? He said, John control yeah. I mean, all the goal, all five goals were, were oh, fantastic great. goals. What about Dimmies as well? Yeah, Demi's was a classic. And
3: uh, young and Patrick Langlois, yeah, 113th yeah, minute, yeah, fantastic goal, yeah. probably yeah. the pick for mine.
2: But. The uh, they are uh, walking with a bit of a spring in their step because they think they've found a number nine. He's only been there a week, the boy from Panama. Yeah. And uh, doesn't speak any English. They've got the uh, the Spanish well, interpreter. They wouldn't
7: understand. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but he showed uh, a
2: bit. No, he, he did. A bit. No, he, and, was, he was. And uh, the, the mail is that they think they've found a player. So yeah. he's only 25 years of age and he's played 30 times for Panama. So he can't be that bad.
7: Yeah. So obviously then uh, we've got Sydney FC... Uh, you know, an interesting game as well. But Stephen, you know,
2: I'm Mark, not surprised about this no, result because I think he... there's been. Uh, uh, sorry to cut you off, Dean, yeah. but Robbie Fowler, he's gone about it. Uh, he's gone about building that squad with purpose, hasn't he? Oh,
7: he has, and uh, and they look they look the real deal. Uh,
1: and if he does get a result um, in his first gig as, as manager, this is. I mean, we had the um, the Usain Bolt story put the A League on. on um, the internationals Mub, of, yeah. uh, radar last year, but, but for gimmick stakes, yeah, 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 than, yeah that, that's yeah. that's where I'm going yeah. is that if yeah. if Fowler can get the job done, this will get the A League noticed and, in the UK. And
7: let's not kid ourselves, Robbie Fowler's one of the biggest names in English football. I yes. mean, he you know mm. he had an unbelievable career at Liverpool. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a great start for for Robbie, and then last but not least, uh, Perth Glory uh, against Western Sydney Wanderers. Great little, uh, great little finish by Yaboa to to win the game, but. Um, Great result for Western Sydney, wondrous
2: Yeah, I just think Western Sydney are going to build something at the moment um, They've got that uh, the aura of their home ground waiting for them um, Which I think is going to make a big difference yeah. in the culture of the club um, And the A-League needs Brisbane and needs Western Sydney being competitive and, uh, and challenging So uh, really good signs, uh, really, really good signs yeah. And Castro got a red card, is yeah. that right? Yeah. Did he get a red card? He did I didn't see that Two was, yellows Oh yeah he did as well no, no. Yeah. <laughs> He got a red card <laughs> a red That's card. why he doesn't have to sit out the next match
3: He's got be he on, on the referee
7: Exactly he's got the draw a So we've got to get the yeah, draw the out draw. So Brisbane Raw and Central Coast Marin Is obviously the A-League affair Then you've got uh, from Victoria Moreland uh, Zebras Against the Magpie Crusaders from Queensland
3: My boy My boys Mackaywood boy. Sundays Magpies yeah. Crusaders United Great draw
2: for Joe Sala And the Moreland Zebras They could be finding their way in the final eight Yeah Joe great guest with us a couple of weeks ago yeah. now so well done
7: Joe. we've also got Adelaide Olympic from South Australia against Hume City now this is interesting Hume City now are going for the second time away in the history of all the games they've always played them at home mm. this is their second one in a row they're going away I like
2: this next game
7: Brisbane Strikers against Manly FC. The New silver Tales. Yes, that could the, be a really
2: tasty one. The boys up at Manly, who I know, they'll uh, they'll be catching the private jet up. they The to Marconi Brisbane.
7: stallions of what you know, an old National League team of uh, of great stature. Uh, they're playing against uh, Melbourne City, so that will be an interesting game. Brandon I think it, that you know, I think that'll be Forza a one. Forza Stallion. League. Then we've got Olympic FC from Your Queensland Club. against Adelaide United. Yep. then this will be an interesting one Edward one. FC yeah. <laughs> Northern New South Wales against the Newcastle Jets so how good's that it, that's they a, reckon that's it a holds cracker. between
2: four and 5,000 uh, and they'll have to <laughs> um, pre-sell the tickets so that's likely to be rocking that place
7: and last but not least Sydney United good. against West, Western Sydney another, Western another Sydney. derby Western super Sydney
2: derby, yeah so well done to... the ball's to cold. Paul Oaken. So they're pulling them pull, out. O- Paul Oaken. Great job with... <laughs> the old the old pull set-bladder trick. So bad, I read this set and there, really.
7: Balls. The big, hot and cold balls, <laughs> that's <laughs> much of them all.
2: But I thought um, the round of 32 fixtures were fantastic. I had a great night on the couch... Uh, watching all of that, it was brilliant, including the goose. Well, oh, the goose. Yeah, Get, the goose, Let me out the of the goose. Okay, uh, join us for the next hour,
1: which is going to be a bumper second hour with no goose. Soccer is Matilda Central. Val Miliaccio railing on the South Australian government. England, football, everything in box to box, and wrapping it up with Francis Leach saying farewell to the great Damien Lovelock. Stick around, that's all next on Box to Box.
0: Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael edge Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Oh, of real brands and real savings, and storage king, the king of storage, moving forward. Absolutely
1: fantastic! Well, welcome back to a uh, box to box second edition news shortly, including Matilda and Socceroos Central, the Adelaide advertisers. Val miliaccio is going to talk about one of the most absurd stories of. Uh, Well, the year in uh, football in this country, the South Australian government snubbing the uh, bid for the 2023 Women's World Cup to talk about there we're going to dissect everything that's going on in Europe Uh, I know we've already had a yarn to the great Simon Hill but there's more to talk about in Europe and um, a chat we're all looking forward to which is a a tribute to the uh, recently departed um, football and a rock and roller uh, Damien Lovelock with our mate Francis Leach Willem you got a stack more now Dino's um, climbing in here because um, you got a bit of Derby County news uh, absolutely we'll we'll get to that
3: Uh, how are you Willem? (laughs) Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army a couple of options on offer from the Green and Gold Army. You can support the Socceroos in their World Cup qualifier in Taipei. That's in October. And then in late October, early November, the Young Matildas are playing the Asian Cup in Thailand. Programs are on sale now. Head to ggatravel.com.au. Tamika Yalop was the hero for Klep in Norway as they won their top of the table clash against LSK. Yalop scored the only goal which keeps Klep in second place, four points behind LSK in first. So an important goal. Sam Kerr scored her 12th goal in 12 matches to help Chicago to a win over Utah. Similarly, the win moved them to within two spots, uh, two points of top place in the NWSL. Elise Callon-Knight, Steph Catley and Hayley Rasso were the other Aussies to play full matches at their respective clubs, while Kaya Simon got through 56 minutes for Houston Dash. Uh, we touched on Masluongo heading to Sheffield Wednesday in the first hour, and Brighton have emerged as last-minute suitors for Aaron Moy. As we speak, the transfer window is still open, so there's a possibility he may head to uh, Brighton with Matt Ryan and stay in the top flight. Would that be awesome? I'd love for that to happen. That would be fantastic. Yeah, because... Well, those
1: of our listeners who are listening after we've put this show in the can may well be aware that he's over there
3: already. Just a last one, Zach Duncan has made his debut in Denmark for AFC Aarhus. Their director of football, Peter Christensen, thinks Graeme Arnold should get him into the Socceroos setup as soon as possible. They see him as a massive talent. I thought he was pretty good in the couple of matches he played for Brisbane Raw at the back end of last season.
2: Yeah, interesting. Can I um, insert one, Willem? Absolutely. Uh, Gianni uh, Gianni Infantino, I always keep a bit of a watch on what he's up to. He, he was out in America as they celebrated their Women's World Cup victory with a match against Ireland, and he was uh, overheard saying that uh, off the back of... Um, getting the Women's World Cup in 2023 expanded to 32 teams, that he was very confident of doubling the prize money, taking it to from 30 to 60 million US dollars. Um, a lot of people would say that uh, they deserve more, but uh, that he's moving in the right direction.
3: Fantastic. The MLS have backed Philadelphia Union captain Alejandro Bedoya following his on-field statement in the wake of recent gun violence in the US. But grabbed the on-field microphone during his uh, following his opening goal uh, against DC United during the week.
0: Hey Congress, do
2: something now! End gun violence. Let's go.
3: The MLS said uh, they join everyone in grieving the loss of lives in Texas and Ohio, and understand our players and staff have strong and passionate views on the issue. Fair enough. Well, um, a, no, that's very a, good.
1: a story like that, um, uh, we can only applaud, can't we?
2: Well, uh, as Australians, and obviously we live, we live through our own uh, Port Arthur. Scenario and then obviously uh, what uh, the Howard government did with the gun buyback and mm-hmm. amnesty. And recently it was an Australian that uh, was the uh, perpetrator of the, the Christchurch massacre. Yeah, that's right. Come on, uh, America, just uh, get with the program.
3: Pep Guardiola has revealed Riyad Mahrez missed Man City's Community Cup clash, for he may have failed a drugs test. Mahrez was given medication while in camp with Algeria for sinusitis, I believe, which is permitted outside of competition. However, they're now unclear on what the substance was, so there's no uh, assurance of how long it will remain in his system, so we may this miss this weekend's opener against West Ham. Interesting that you'd um, take a substance or give a substance and not know exactly what it was. We know about that it's in It's interesting, though,
7: how maybe different doctors, like if he's on international duty versus domestic duty, how strict and and, and how how there might be a bit of a conflict.
2: Well, having uh, worked in an Olympic sport, I know the differences between football and and uh, the so Olympics, that was cycling of course yeah um, the unique you know the unique uh, responsibilities on olympic athletes in relation to drug testing seems to be much greater than it is in football, football. Yeah. yeah and obviously the level of suspensions are different uh, because fifa control the suspension. So, yeah, it's it's a very different scenario. But, uh,
3: the Algerian FA have tried to wipe their hands clean of it and say there was no problem, but then they also can't say what it was, so they haven't really managed to do that. <laughs> can't really have it both ways, I'm sorry. Mm. They're still celebrating their <laughs> African Cabinations in Algeria. Yeah, they would have gone, what's this?
2: Sorry, go ahead. They would have gone, what's this, They're going back to celebrating.
3: Wayne Rooney has signed a player coach deal with Derby County and will join them in January after the MLS season concludes. Rooney has signed an 18-month playing deal and will also work with the first team and academy as he prepares for a future in coaching. Here's Wayne.
5: Firstly, I'm, I'm a player. Um, I feel I've got a, a lot of quality which I can bring to the to the squad. So as you said, first and foremost, I want to come in and play and try and help the team. And then um, secondly, I want to try and learn, obviously, of Philip and his staff to, to gain experience for for obviously when a uh, do stop playing and, and going to,
1: to that next step. Now, there is a world um, exclusive. Rob's d- uh, we're about to break on Box to
2: Box. Rob's about, he's been talking this stuff for the last three hours. Rob's about to break a world exclusive.
1: So the story is this, that when Wayne Rooney was alerted by his manager of this new contract, he'd just gotten home after a pretty dusty night. Now, as it turns out, some late negotiation needed to take place to, to land this Derby deal because Wayne thought his manager had said he was about to sign a big money contract in the Middle East for Abu Dhabi and then realised when he woke up that he'd just signed up with Derby, and the manager had to unwind it all. That is the story. There we go. Can you believe (laughs) Wayne would have done that? Wouldn't be the first dusty night night Wayne's had. I wouldn't have
2: thought. (laughs) Hey, uh, you didn't so, like it, Itch? Um, oh, no. Better than your bloody goose in there. It's a dare joke. It's a dare joke. Hey, Dino. Yes. So Wayne, at the moment, yep. he's obviously playing in Washington. He is. In uh, the MLS. So he wa- he wakes up and he uh, goes to his favourite coffee shop in the morning after, you know, trading. He's probably got the kids with him. Um, he goes and then just walks across the road to one of the monuments and sort of sits down in the... In the summer sun at the moment, it's summer over there and he has a coffee and he... Get to the point, come on. Wanders around, um, sort of a similar lifestyle in Derby. <laughs>
7: well, it's not really a matter of where they live. You don't have to live in Derby. I mean, it's not
2: particularly... Are you saying Derby's not as good as Washington?
7: Um, I've not been to Washington,
2: so I can't comment. Do you reckon you'd... Get a coffee down in the old baseball I'm sure We could get one around
7: the Well, no, that's all knocked down. But I think on the actual appointment, uh, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's quite bold. And I think, I think what Mel Morris has done is seen the back of what happened with uh, Frankie. Yep.
2: And got a lot. So of, just for um, listeners around the country, who's Mel Morris?
7: Mel Morris is the chairman of He's Derby. Chairman, um, yep. very shrewd businessman. He's the one that was at Candy Crush. So got plenty behind him. Uh, but he's shrewd. And I think he thinks with the shirt sales that you can get them with Rooney being the all-time leading goalscorer in England, uh, that record, will, I don't know if that will ever be beaten. Yeah, um, well. uh, but it might. Uh, and then with that, and he's having scoop. an opportunity I'm, to I'm I've had
2: a bit of fun with you sort of hanging yeah. around, Derby, but, but seriously, he should score goals for fun. Oh, the in the championship, there's
7: no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, he, he's some. he's been some player... But in the championship, I think he could do. What really about well. the
2: arrival date of January? We've derby fans have got to wait until January to get him.
7: Yeah, I well, know that's his contract with uh, Washington, so I think he's honoured that, which I think is the right thing to do, and that's why it's an eighteen-month contract, so it goes the back end of, from January and then the next season is what I'm understanding.
3: Yeah, Derby's becoming a real hotbed for the development of young English footballers and especially English managers. I think that's a really exciting direction for the club. And just quickly, Edge, I think Wayne's from Croxteth in Liverpool, so I don't think he'd be too fussed no, about I don't uh, think he would be. moving to Derby.
7: <laughs> yeah, Derby would actually be an upgrade, I think, possibly.
3: He might have refined his tastes. <laughs> a little bit hey. he may have in the day. And just a final one uh, before I head off. One of my favourite players, one I wanted to get in, Diego Forlan has announced his retirement. No, Adam no, take it to this. No, yeah. Played at United. Adam's, Adams got his nose joint. <laughs> Villarreal, Atletico. I said one of my favourite players. <laughs> 128 goals in La Liga, but it was the 2010 World Cup, which he absolutely lit up, won the Did Golden Ball what? in yeah. South Africa. That was the first World Cup that I really got to watch the whole tournament. Um, and he was just absolutely magical. We got the Jabalani ball to swing around when most boys didn't have a clue we what there, to do. I? We were, I remember we when first time we picked up the Jabalani ball. It was like you
2: know, when you were a kid you went to this, you your dad had uh drop into the service station to fill up the, the the, the car with super fuel back in those days, <laughs> and you'd get the soccer ball from the, like for twenty cents from the from the basket at the at the service station. Yeah. The first time you picked up Jabalani, it was like one of those balls, wasn't it, Di? It, was, just a just it. it was a shocker. The roundest ball
3: ever. And wasn't the good it. old yeah.
2: Vuvuzela. The Vuvuzelas.
1: Yes. Vuvuzelas. Well, I hated that. <laughs> I mean, you guys might have been able to tolerate it more, but I had to watch the bloody games with the mute button on. Anyway, well done, Willem. Cheers, Rob. Okay, gentlemen. Val Miliaccio next. Edge, you're just going to push off the back fence, tennis alley style, and come in off the long run. Well, of I the think story? you
2: know we should just point out the differences that uh, South Australia uh, prides itself on. You know, the, the, I think uh, we'll talk to Val about them being the, the, the sort of uh, highbrow part of this country. The highbrow part of this country. The free settlers. You know, they've got a bit of tweed happening down there. They've got, a, you know, they've got a few uh, got a few people who think that they're better than everyone else. down there. <laughs> okay. Well, you're going to rub it in. Next on we box know. to box.
0: Box to box. <laughs> For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and And this could be the most crucial goal of
1: all. So this is box to box. Now, when the Adelaide Advertiser announced this week that the uh, South Australian government had snubbed, in fact, backtracked on a reported decision um, to uh, support the Women's World Cup in 2023. Most people thought it was a joke, um, the fact that the AFL and the uh, and the old uh, school uh, code wars had re-emerged. But Val um, who broke the story in the Adelaide Advertiser, this is no joke.
8: Yeah, actually, uh, I wrote it with Paul Starrick, who's a very good reporter for the Advertiser as well. And it's disappointing. And um, after we printed the story, and judging by the backlash through comments on social media, the state government now... Um, I think, is is about to talk. In fact, the Premier said it today, uh, Stephen Marshall is about to talk and see what can be done because uh, to be left off and and really where... A good state for football. It's
1: so disappointing. It's ridiculous, isn't it? The fact that, um, and, and, you know, this is no personal knock on South Australia. It could happen to, to you know, any state around the country. It just yes, happens it is. to be. Well, <laughs> Come I'm, on. I, no, I, I'm, it, I'm saying that it could have happened in any state because most of our politicians are capable of making these ridiculous decisions. It just happens to be in South Australia on this occasion yeah. that the most absurd decision of recent times was made. So Stephen Marshall um, comes across uh, as um, a bit of a blinkered operator when it uh, it comes. To this decision, and uh, so you know, what did they say? Hesit- reportedly hesitant to anger the state's AFL supporters. Give me a spell.
8: Yeah, I find it really strange because Stephen Marshall's actually a, he's a big soccer fan, big football yeah. fan. And before he became premier, you could you'd go to Martin, he'd be at the Blue Eagles Stadium or mm. at like, City matches. And then um, to hear this coming out of the Liberal Party, who who are actually in government at the moment, is, has dumbfounded a lot of people and. Let's hope common sense prevails, but I think the only way we can be involved as a state is that a new stadium has to be built, and it can be done in the next four years, and that'll be a twenty-three, twenty-four thousand 24,000-seater. But, um, I mean, they've been talking about it for a decade. Now they've got to action it.
2: Now, Val, come on. We know you South Australians like to call yourself free settlers. You're not, <laughs> No, no convicts were down there, but uh, this is different thinking, isn't it? I mean, let's just... Uh, back the AFL fans to uh, not write in the streets because you're going to support uh, the the most uh, the biggest and uh, most uh, significant standalone women's event in the world i mean yeah. you, you can forgive for the rest of australia for picking on you can't you
8: no we should be picked on <laughs> for a decision like, i'm actually embarrassed really embarrassed when' all uh, we writing the story because i just couldn't believe it you know and i was lucky enough to get to a world Cup match in France i was in Grenoble, which is a twenty thousand seater stadium. Yeah, state. wasn't it fantastic? And yeah, it was fantastic. Where uh, the Matildas smashed Jamaica. I was at the can- uh, Canadian World Cup. You know, I worked for the entire entire tournament there, and they put up a great show. And then, I, I think some of our politicians really do not understand the power of, the power of football, and where it can take everybody, and and especially women, which has come yeah. so far in such a short space of time. In
2: the game. Well, let's just... I mean, I, I had a bit of fun there, obviously, picking on South Australians, but you'd imagine that Stephen Marshall and his sports minister had received information from... Well, how about Edge? What about
1: his trade, tourism and investment minister, David Ridgway, told the ADI it was a costly and impractical exercise for AFL fans to be locked out when pre-existing stadium deals already existed?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, again, that's short-sighted because... Uh, um, and I'll ask Val I'll ask in a moment But Hindmarsh um, could be reconfigured Even in a temporary state to accommodate requirements Potentially So um, put, put all that aside um, They must have received some advice From the major events people in South Australia About uh, the, the pros and cons of it So you would have thought maybe even the bureaucrats Didn't recognise the power of this event I mean it's a massive event uh, I was, you know, like you I was in Canada and I was in France And uh, it... Um, it, is, it would just be the one of the most impactful events that ever come to Australia if, if we were lucky enough to win the bid.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And and it would leave a legacy, especially, you know, for...
2: For women's football, yeah.
8: And, um, yeah, I don't think it's over. I think um, common sense is, is, is about to come to the table. Let's hope that, you know, they can renegotiate with FFA and get their heads together. I think they've got until the end of the month and then reconsider and and. Put us back in the
2: plan. Well, now that it's we been, we need to be back in the plan. Yeah, and now that it's been expanded to 32 teams, hopefully that gives Stephen Marshall some some rig- rig- room after assessing the uh, the yes. blowback. But Val, just uh, explain for listeners right around Australia what are the constraints of Hindmarsh? And you talk about a new uh, a new stadium. Um, is that a Hindmarsh redevelopment, or is it uh, could it be located somewhere else? What is the current thinking uh, amongst the leaders in South Australia, the football community and government about what's the future potential for a rectangular stadium in uh, in, in Adelaide?
8: Yeah, well, the current uh, operator of the stadium, which is like a branch of the, of the government, has publicly said that they won't spend any more money at mark
2: Is that and because it's where it's geographically located?
8: Yeah, it's, it's, there's a number of things. I think the geographical location is probably the, the biggest thing, Um But it's fallen behind. I mean, they rebuilt the stadium, redeveloped it for the Olympic Games back in 2000. The capacity was far too small, not enough corporate boxes. Um, The lighting now has fallen away to to below, I think, fee for international standard. There's uh, there's only two change rooms, rooms you can't even have a double header there, so Adelaide United when they play, it's either the women play alone or the men play alone, which is an absolute joke. Football Federation of SA now uses the stadium, I think, one or once or twice a year, whereas 20 years ago they were using it almost every every weekend mm. because it belonged to the game, and that's also disappointing. So there's a, a whole raft of issues, and I think um, people in this state and power especially have to reconsider, and they they really are representing the public and. I think the state government caught wind. They finally woke up and said, hey, the public's offside with this decision, which maybe they thought they wouldn't be. So uh, they're representing us, and they have to do something for the game, and, and that's to build a new stadium and, and in, a, in a good location.
1: This is Box to Box on NTS News Talks. sport we're talking to the Adelaide advertisers, Val Miliaccio about the story that um, he and his colleagues broke this week that the uh, South Australian government had uh, snubbed the uh, 2023 Women's World Cup bid. So in uh, I moved to, to Melbourne in 1998 from from Sydney, and if somebody had have told me at that time that a $265 million stadium, rectangular stadium, would be built in the shadows of the MCG to exclusively host uh, football, uh, rugby league and rugby unionite, I fair dinkum would have laughed But Mm. it happened And now it's one of the great stadiums of this country Uh, Look, there's no talk in the short term That Adelaide is going to host a um, a rugby league or union team But uh, if in the spirit of uh, Field of Dreams, you know, build it and they will come. uh, A proper stadium is built. There is a model there where uh, a um, a sensible and forward-thinking tourism uh, minister in a government can start to plan and pitch for the uh, the rectangular uh, game uh, sports to uh, to, to host and pay for these sort of things.
8: Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm totally with you there. And and like I said, the stadium, which... Highmarsh was the home of football and it really was the home of football where you could have played there as a 10-year-old kid. You know, uh, you could have played there as an 18-year-old kid. You play there as a first-team player in the NSL. You play there, you know, a junior for your club in the amateur league. That's been wiped right out, you know, since uh, in, the, in, the, in the past 10 years. It's, all, it's become very, very political, very sensitive. And I feel that there's too much involvement from the government and even the federation. With, you know, especially when it comes to clubs and how they're dealing, but now I'm on a tangent now. But uh, I, And I think, ultimately, this decision is probably a result of maybe the government thinking, yeah, we've got all the power, and really, we put you in power. Yeah. Represent us properly.
2: Yeah. Well, um, uh, there was a fair bit of blowback, and uh, those people who like to be entertained uh, on Twitter from time to time, just go to... Val uh Twitter feed and you'll see some of the uh, comments from the punters I mean the, the pushback and the, the feedback was pretty direct and it sounds like from what you're telling us that the government has been not so much rattled but a little bit shaken by uh, and surprised by the the vehement nature of the feedback.
8: Oh absolutely I, mean, I think what they said was, was premature and they really did not judge the backlash they haven't judged the people they represent because football is, in this state as well, the highest participant sport. Yeah. And I think the folks paying money to watch football, whether it's the local clubs or paying money to watch it on the uh, pay TV, they, they want something done for the game. And unfortunately, in this state, over the last deco- decade, decade or so, they're sitting on their hands. I mean, they're building artificial pitches and all that sort of stuff, but they've forgotten about the bigger picture.
2: And like most cities in Australia, Adelaide has some fabulous migrant communities. And if Italy or uh, some of those uh, types of communities, even some of the African communities were to play in a Women's World Cup in Adelaide, it would be a rocking event. Oh, so uh, everybody who's listening to this show right in Australia, and all their friends in South Australia, we know you're a bit different. You're free settlers, but get into your mm-hmm. government. <laughs> we want we want a new stadium in uh, South Australia, legacy for the sport, and, and we want and, and the and the we want the is, Women's World Cup there. Yeah,
1: and there is an appetite for all of the the rectangular codes. I mean, I remember you know back in the late nineties, uh, soon after the Super League War, the Adelaide Rams um, w- would pull regularly. Val, you'll remember this uh, big crowds um, yeah. yep. in Adelaide, and um, and and so there is an appetite for rugby league and rugby union as well as football. So um, you know it's uh, it's more than about time, isn't it, mate?
8: Oh, absolutely. Well,
2: let's hope that the state government does something. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully, hey, thanks, Val. Thanks, to, Thanks for talking with us tonight. Yeah. We don't want to make you feel unloved, Val. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> we know. We know. We know you're not responsible for this, so it's okay. No, he's he's responsible. I'm actually for very embarrassed. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right,
1: Val. Well, you see, you're you're taking it up to the state government. You've got to live there, so you've got to behave yourself a little bit. Oh, we don't. Right. We I don't have that. to behave myself. I think
8: I think they <laughs> need to be held to, held to account. I mean, we missed the Asian Cup as well back in 2015. Remember that we were That's even right. On that's right. We missed
1: yeah. a massive tournament. Well, mate, if anyone happened to notice um, outside of South Australia that a certain Adelaide Oval was redeveloped and it's turned into one of the great stadiums of not only Australia but the world in mm. terms of spectator experience. So the South Australians know how to do it when they put their mind to it. So hopefully yeah. um, this will be the, uh, the, the springboard to making that happen. Val, we look forward to talking to you again next time, hopefully on a less controversial subject, mate. No problem. Thank you. Good on you, Val. All right, boys, um, we've talked a bit of uh, Premier League in the first hour. We're going to get back into it um, with Dino after the break. Uh, the it's free exciting. settlers
2: in South oh, Australia, right? Yeah,
1: look, I do like that. Yeah, And they've got their own little posh accent. They do, days.
2: don't they? They talk with a bit of a plumber <laughs> in their mouth. Yeah. Bell doesn't, but a lot of them do. So come on, South Australia. <laughs> come
1: right. on. Okay, stick around. More football after the break on Box to Box.
2: Box to Box. Can you believe- the chemist warehouse.
1: Home of real
0: brands and real savings. And storage King, The king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most
1: crucial goal of all. Yes, uh, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Um, we talked to Simon Hill um, to preview, well, as we tried to rest, tried to preview the League. We tried Premier to. To. <laughs> Um, I
2: got carried away. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: You, you forgive me, Rob? Yeah, I'll forgive you. Uh, but um, we're going to get stuck into it a little bit more with uh, Dino and Willem now. But before we do, we need to talk about our friends at Storage King. Because they are, pardon me, with a croaky voice. <laughs> oh, thank you, Nigel. You've saved me. They're the kings of storage moving in more. With the family growing, you accumulate a lot of stuff, it clutters the house you got to get rid of some of it, but you just don't know how to do it. What you do is you call Storage King. They have the answer. They will help you to work out what stays, what goes, where to store it. You'll get all the space in your home. Your family will have plenty of room to get around, and you can keep the great family memories that you want in your home. Store the rest of it in a safe and secure spot. Call 1-800-TODAY or go better still to storageking.com.au. They are the kings of storage moving and more, gentlemen.
2: Did you uh, not take their calls this week as well?
1: Uh, well, I no, thought they uh, might have called asking for Mate, me to Storage do the King had a, um, a record week this week, Edge. Um, I don't know what, what to put it down to, uh, but um, somebody said there was some outstanding um, off-pissed uh, advertising that went to air <laughs> last Thursday night. <laughs> and, um, yeah, mate, you, your your talent fee's going to double. Okay. Sorry. Boom, 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 boom. Dino, what do you got for us?
7: I think we'll start off with the uh, FA Community Shield, which obviously starts the whole proceedings and is the, uh, the entree to the main but meal. Do we have to? I think we do. I really? Think, know do it, we have it, to? No, because I think it look, it was a real game. It wasn't a friendly.
1: I know. What about it, the goal-line clearance? The, you, you know. What buddy, about the goal-line clearance?
7: Yeah, superb. Yeah.
1: It would have just been nice if Liverpool could have started the season. Uh, by, it would have, but... Uh, unlike um, you to be biased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was happy exactly. with
7: it. I thought it looked like a real game.
1: You're uh, taking it far too seriously, don't I just don't think you need to take a you know, a jumped-up practice it's a match, match too seriously. It's not Full,
7: full crowd, match. even aggro after the game, so it was on. It was on it was on, no, even no, on no, and off yeah, the pitch. Yeah. Um, Matip, 77th minute from a sterling start
2: of mm. 12 minutes and 5 but the four, on the, the penalties. The highlight was the uh, goal-on clearance. The yeah. championship got underway, uh, just to highlight a couple of uh, big winners and a couple yeah. of big losers. Our mob, well, my mob... Birmingham City, Blue Nose has got a win. Blue
7: Nose's big one away. It, apparently, apparently it was the Alamo going the other way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, I didn't
2: hear that. Um, interestingly enough, uh, for Leeds fans, uh, they're just sitting top of the table. Good start. Good start.
7: Good start, Bristol.
2: Three-one win at not, Bristol. Not easy to go there. No, and, and Bristol would have, uh, you know, that would have been building themselves up for a big one. And and then what was a very good game, Derby. Over the top of Huddersfield,
7: yeah. Tom Lawrence, two mm. little crackers, so uh, he's got off to a good start.
1: Aaron Moy almost got the equaliser from 40 metres um, late in that game, it was a pretty fair shot.
2: Uh, uh, big losers, Stoke lost, uh, which was interesting. QPR, QPR yeah. QPR lost, Hull City lost.
7: No, QPR beat Stoke, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I should say the yeah, Hull City. Lost Nottingham Forest. Lost for uh, John in uh, Nottingham. Yeah. What about Cardiff getting beat to Wigan? Yeah, that's a big one.
7: I didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, no, and yeah, also Wigan. Fulham also losing to Barnsley.
2: Fulham losing to Barnsley. Hey, let's go to Premier League. It starts this week. Let's go through the games. Um, kicks off. Hold on, on, hold
7: on. Let's just not get too carried away. Let's just look at the top six. Derby are actually in fifth. So, I'm just oh, gonna try okay. so it's Leeds, it's Leeds games, Wednesday. It's Wigan, Charlton. Charlton Goodwin for Charlton, Derby County and Queen's Park Rangers. The bottom and, uh, three is Reading, Bristol City and Preston North
2: End. Hey, um, let's go to the Premier League then. Now, um, this is what we're here for. Kicks off on uh, Friday. Liverpool will host Norwich City. You would expect Liverpool to win for Rob Gilbert. Yeah, what do you think,
7: uh Ed Willem.
2: Yeah, you expect Liverpool to roll in comfortably. Saturday's games. Yeah. Saturday's games. West Ham and Manchester City at the Olympic Stadium. It's the early game.
7: West Ham have improved a lot.
2: Yeah, but they're not going to beat Manchester City. But I don't City, know they they'll beat. No, I don't. Bournemouth are at home to Sheffield United. The Blades uh, get an early opportunity to get three points.
7: Looking forward to Chris Wilder now coaching in the in this league. He's done an unbelievable job. He's actually got teams promoted from the National League, Second Division, First Division, Championship and now into the Premier League Yep, only man to do it.
2: Southampton Southampton have the long trip up the uh, highway to Turf Moor and Burnley um, so they'd be eyeing that game off to have a win, wouldn't they? Well, I think they would. Uh, but Burnley can, you know, depend. at home. I mean, the, the sun will uh, be what, shining. What
7: happened them last year? They really got pinged because of the Europe, you know, the entry to that Europe spot.
2: Really tough start for them. And a the
7: really tough start, but I think they've prepared differently. So I don't think that's a lay down Mazaire on that one.
2: I think the next game is a good one: Crystal Palace and Everton. Cracker. Yeah, I think it's a good one because I rate Palace has finished to the season last year, and Everton's made some big signings, so that'll be interesting. Uh, what? A quick
7: question though: What's the story with their best player, Wilfred Zaha?
2: What
7: well, is gone? the story?
3: Yeah, I don't think he's gone as yet. I don't think he's got a club. He wanted to go yeah, to he'll Arsenal. Have to, he'll have to swallow some uh, pride and get walk back into Selhurst. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think so. Uh, Watford uh, at home to Brighton Hove Albion. It's another important game and our man Matty Ryan who knows, Uh, maybe Aaron Moy will uh, maybe be unveiled as a Brighton uh, player on that game. Tottenham Hotspur.
7: Just before you go, uh, Graham Potter he's the new manager there. Yes. Uh, And he was Swansea City's uh, manager last year. Interesting appointment. Very highly rated by the backroom staff of England set up. That's why I think he's got a bit of a leg up. And And those people who love
2: those people who love strips uh, Watford's got one of the best ones going around this uh, year in the Premier League. How do I describe it? Can't just say that and not tell us a little bit. Yeah, about it's it? a visual thing. Yeah. Well, what? what why is it so? Well, it's not? red and yellow and black. Is it red? A little bit of red in it Okay
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, on this little, yeah,
2: a little bit of red It looks good uh, Watford uh, So we spoke about them Tottenham Hotspur Versus Aston Villa That's a baptism of fire For the villains So back into the Premier League Signed a lot of players Villa They have um, uh, John Terry And uh, and his mob So um, You would expect them To get uh, turned over By Tottenham Wouldn't you Yeah, I
7: think so you, I think Tottenham At home Jim
3: Might be in a little bit Of trouble Tottenham They should still get The results in this one But Dalli is going to be out For a little while Christian Eriksen Could be out the door and he Minute yep. and Paulo Jabala won't be coming back through the door no, for more reports. N- no, no, no,
7: deals off, deals off.
3: I think they
2: need to hold on to Eriksen. Absolutely, there is um, some. Some uh, the media reports uh, sort of both ways, saying that it's on and, and also saying that it's not on. So we'll have to wait and see there. Um, on Sunday, Leicester City versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's both probably one of the games. It, of the game. It's both a cracker. top six chances because
7: yeah, they're both. Yeah, both chasing that top six. What about
2: the, the big defender? Leicester's lost. Is, are they going to be able to replace him? It, McQuay yeah
7: yeah, yeah McQuay I think I think they were going for the boy from um Burnley Om um, Tark Tarkin ta-
3: oh, Tarkovsky ta- Jan Tarkovsky yeah I think Englishman.
7: he I think they had him in the gun when that deal went through, that they'd go and then spend some of that money on him. That was the, the rumour.
3: That'll be a really good like-for-like like, replacement. They only re-signed uh, Maguire, I think, in September last year. So they were in a really good negotiating position with Manchester United, and they could just hold off, hold off, oh, hold yeah. off, and then United just kept upping their price. So they should have a fair bit of cash. They didn't actually need to sell Maguire. So I think they'll be able to no, cover no, whatever holes off, they have. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle United,
2: um, Steve Bruce. He they're has very a bat- worried for Newcastle bat- baptism a fire against Arsenal. I,
1: I, I'm home. predicting a, a relegation battle From day one for them
2: oh, I've got confidence in the in the Most uh, polite coach in the Premier League Steve Bruce mm. uh, He speaks beautiful English doesn't he I like Bruce eh? And yeah. he writes very good mystery novels How many clubs has he
3: coached? Oh,
2: Six, he's had he's, 13. He's, he's, yeah, he's 13.
3: thirteen. Yeah, about thirteen. <laughs> a bit of a joke, necklace. He's had but a, he's at his home club now, no, where he grew up.
7: He, he is, and he's a he's obviously he's a Newcastle supporter. Yeah, be interesting
2: to see how they go. Uh, and then obviously the big game. Uh, we end we end the uh, the uh, the week's fixtures with the biggest game: Manchester United versus Chelsea, the old boy derby.
7: Well, it is isn't Frank it? versus Ollie. And Ollie, Ollie, you know, Ollie's at the wheel, and Frank is at the wheel. Mm. So. Um, I think it's going to be an important start for both of these teams. I think they'll be both. No pressure
2: a, on Chelsea. Mountains of pressure on Manchester United. Yeah, possibly, possibly. The Manx, they, you know, we we all know Manchester United fans. Haven't they been quiet these past few few years?
7: Uh, well, they have. I mean, um, look, it's been it's been most probably their worst period from my living memory. Yeah. From, from really most probably some parts of the seventies. So the
1: pressure's weren't, on them. Weren't, weren't it's great. a it's a textbook um, example of how not to handle. Uh, change in an organisation when a uh, highly successful individual um, leaves—they've so they, just absolutely mangled it, haven't they? No, they have. Got to say, say that have. there's no yeah. way in the world they had any plan in place other than to say um, Sir Alex wanted David Moyes, he got his way. Um, they weren't patient enough with David Moyes, and it all just went to poo from there if you it? want
3: an indicator of how badly it went Moyes' contract his six year deal was due to expire this month I think so <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah, still yeah, paying gone poorly stripped out the whole back room didn't keep any of those that was the second charges around yeah. Yeah. and I, I think that's all all where
7: the, that's where again league. Ollie's done well you know he's brought some of the old staff back in and that's going to help hopefully that settling in period for a big big Premier League season
2: uh, what about uh, Neymar is he going to leave PSG and go to Real Madrid um, well, I his don't teammates think are sort PSG of doing a bit Thompson. of a wind up
1: on him. Um, I saw some <laughs> stories during the week. Did anyone see that? You know, some of them G'ing him up for his diving tactics and his whinging ways. So when you've lost your teammates, you you know, on a hiding date, I think. Willem,
3: like, you were saying? Oh, I think just about everyone's sick of him. Maybe there's a few people in Brazil still supporting him, but yeah, he's behaving terribly. 27, his career is flying by. Maybe he
2: could yeah. come, come, to come to. No, he's he went winning a lot. Yeah, Ed, what what do we think about David Luiz at 32 years of age leaving Chelsea to join us? Yeah, Arsenal? I like
7: it. Don't mind that. They needed a defender. They've lost uh, Kishony, so um, you know, in, in a bad way, which was sad. Yeah, tonight. he won't.
1: Well, the way he went out it won't be oh, missed. No. All right, boys, let's wrap it up there. We've got Francis Leach on standby to uh, do our tribute to uh, to Damian Lovelock after the break. So stick around because that is going to be compelling listening to a man who goes into the uh, you know the last con- context uh, connection with. Uh, the great Liz Murray and, uh, and Johnny Warren so that's all next on Box to Box
0: Box to Box can you believe it the chemist warehouse home of real brands and real savings and storage games the king of storage moving and more and this could be the most
8: crucial goal of all okay let's have a look at the final poll on the uh, uh, greatest soccer team of all time, um, which was the coach
3: position. And there it is, in a real nail biter. Goose Hiddink has got up with only 81% of the vote. Uh, in a photo finish yeah. from Rally Rasich with 12%, and the yeah. other guys, I think they checked for the pulse. Yes. And nothing was Dead found. Heat.
1: Yes. This is a box-to-box. This is Stoppage Time, a tribute edition of Stoppage Time. Uh, We'll take all the time we need to uh, conduct this conversation for one of the great men of football in this country, one of the the voices. If you're over the age of 30 and you don't know Damien Lovelock, then you haven't watched a lot of SBS, The World Game, or Sir Les Murray, and who else uh, would you have on to reflect on one of his great mates, um, a fellow rock star himself, Francis (laughs) Leach. Back to box to box Thanks for coming on mate
5: Oh g'day How are you all tonight?
1: Yeah we're okay mate Because uh, You know when this news broke I guess um, Some some people knew um, Some of us Were not aware But um, 64 is a pretty young age For uh, a bloke To uh, to leave this uh, Mortal coil uh, But uh, He left it um, With uh, with a great uh, Impact Whether it was With the celibate rifles or, or commenting on football Yeah
4: absolutely I spoke with Damien About
5: uh, Seven to eight days Before he passed away And he just did, said to me, he would call me up and say, Framoir. <laughs> I and mean, whenever he wanted to talk about football, he said, I'm on the off-ramp, and so. in that in sort of uh, um, typically Damo dry wit of his, uh, and uh, black sense of humour, and uh, and it was clear that he was very, very ill. And he just said to me, "There was no more joy anymore," and that you know, broke my heart. But I, I'm, you know, I knew that it was time to say goodbye to him. So that, well, I'm glad I got to speak with him about that before he went. You know, Damien's been struggling with cancer for for a considerable period of time. You wouldn't know it because he's uh, managed his life very well and uh, he's been so active and, uh, and so vital all the way through it, um, including, you know, still playing gigs with the Celebrate Rifles and with a number of other bands. He sort of started this fantastic circuit in Sydney with some of the best musicians in the city uh, playing uh, sort of theme shows around Woodstock and, uh, and the Monterey Pop Festival, things that he loved, the music that he loved. Uh, and as well it continued to teach yoga right up until about two weeks before he passed away
1: so um, and one of the things i was fascinated about was that uh, that he um, he taught yoga to the new south wales state of origin rugby league team to teach them how to relax and uh, and uh, you know uh, that, that was not the only top flight um, sporting team that he got involved with
5: no, well, he's great friends with Graham Arnold. And so I only had him in for years at Central Coast Mariners doing yoga classes with, with his squad, and then again in Sydney FC. So he had a long association with Graham, and they were, they were very close. And um, Graham brought him in with Sydney FC as well. So he was kind of known as the Keith Richards of uh, Yoga because Sam <laughs> uh, would talk his way through the yoga class with ribald stories about uh, this, that, and everything else uh, in between doing Downward Dog and have everyone in stitches laughing. Um, uh, he, was, uh, he was he was never short of a, a, a quip or a, or a line to, uh, to, to invite to the moon or to tell you what he thought. And I think uh, that's what made him uh, the, the brilliant talent he was, but also the wonderful man that he was.
2: Um, Francis, my favourite memory of Damien is in 2007 in Thailand at the uh, AFC Asian Cup, the one that Arnie was coaching. And I r- ran into Demo over there and actually uh, we had Arnie uh, attending one of our functions. And... Um, I asked Damo if he would come down and interview Arnie for us and Damo's response was, Ooh, ooh, that would be fun because I know he's got a Federation credit card. He'll probably <laughs> buy some drinks. And that's the way it turned out. So that's my favourite memory of Damo. It, it, and, but, I mean, we know, he, we know him from... Uh, most of the public will know him from, uh, obviously, his, his appearances with Les and uh, the team on the world game, but um, get Damo one on one and he could talk about the ins and outs of football all day long. I mean he knew the game very, very well, didn't he?
5: Oh absolutely. He he loved his passion about the game he was- talk about it endlessly, I'd get phone calls in the middle of the night from him when he's been up watching a game or, you know, i get a text message at 4am saying, are you awake, Framois? There was a game uh, that was on, you know, on an early start here in Australia and so we could sort of like, swap messages as, we, as the games rolled through. So he, he was constantly connected to the game he, he was obsessed with its history, he knew its history inside out, so his, his true passion was the Dutch teams of the 70s. Uh, in a way, a bit like the silver linings, <laughs> you know, uh, epically talented, wonderfully gifted, uh, but uh, just falling short of, of, of uh, the ultimate prize. And uh, you know, John Crawford is somebody he, he absolutely adored. Uh, he famously used to love to talk about the Italian of yes. <laughs> that was another obsession of his. Uh, you know, in terms of. Football culture and history, as well as the North Korean team that did so well in in 1966 uh, at the World Cup. These are the sorts of things that Damien would latch on to and tell stories about. But, of course, he had a long history of going to watch Australia play. Uh, in Sydney over the years, uh, growing up, watching, uh, the teams in that part of the world as well, and playing the game too. So, actually yeah, really start as a football commentator, and typically, uh, Damien and Triple J fashion, when, remember the Youth World Cup was in Melbourne yep. in 1990, or in Australia 1991, and we were scrambling around on radio, we sort of realised, oh, well, Youth World Cup, Youth Radio Station, you know, we should really cover this, and Damien was in there, um, uh, for something to do with the rifles, must have been doing a live with the wireless or something. I remember he said some hey time, you know, football He goes, yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so uh, he, he went on with Angela Katurns on the morning program, then uh, w- once every couple of days uh, talking about about who was playing and uh, what the status of the tournament was. And he was invited back for every World Cup. Every, there was a story though that there. one
1: of his first appearances, he was invited on to cover something that he hadn't watched, and uh, but he just made it up on the fly. <laughs> yeah,
5: and he would it was have been so funny about, and
1: entertaining. You know,
5: he yeah, would have been pulling, uh, you know, things and ideas out of the out of the <laughs> sky, like, like uh, you know, like uh, fairy dust. The, the, that's what you did. I, I had game when I got the chance. I finally got to using as a special comments person on. Uh, on I
2: remember when you podcast. did that. I remember when you did that. Because <laughs> I just knew that it was it was an A League game, but, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, I used him for a whole season when we were heading up to Sydney covering games. I just knew that his his take on the way of the game he's an expert, but he's not a former player. But it would just be something that nobody had heard before. And <laughs> we had such good times. It was uh, it was a really well, really was fun. I was glad that. I could work with him in that capacity. Finally, after speaking with him for so many years about the now, game. Now
2: the other thing about Damo, if you if you knew him well, it was um, his phone. Um, so Francis, <laughs> do you want to just uh, explain? <laughs> was he the last? Australian on the two G, he, he thought he thought a phone See, was a phone, was didn't actually,
5: he? He was actually contacted by uh, the by Telstra I think to tell him that he had to get a new phone when uh, they, they finally switched off the two G network because <laughs> <laughs> he hung onto this this ugly flip phone which had literally been run over by his red Mustang car. They it was right still
2: working. It was, it
5: was, but when you called it, it hissed like he was in. At Ice Station Zebra, like he could, be, it would just sound like it would sound like a, an old, you know, 1920s uh, uh, movie tone film or something. It was just like it was just it was this incredibly unbreakable cockroach of technology. And he finally got an iPhone. It was, um <laughs> he didn't quite know how to use it for a while, but we finally got him around to actually, you know, taking photos and, and sending stuff. But yeah, he was determined. He could be a bit of a recalcitrant like that. He was determined to to be the last man standing on the old flip phone.
2: Now, um, do you have one particular favourite memory of uh, of Damien you want to share with us, Frank? Oh,
5: look, well, it's more of a yeah, it's more of an experience that you know I, I will always cherish. That I would go and with my great, great friend Steve Canaan, we'd go up and visit Damien, and we had a bit of a ritual. We and it, you know Damien was the king of Newport Beach uh, and the Northern Beaches, Sydney. So you would drive into the car park there on the beach. And there he would be, you know, you know he, was a, he was a strong, good-looking rooster, you know, in his day. And he'd be there in his sluggos and his, his budgie smugglers. And we, we'd go for a walk along the beach and everyone would say hello to him. And then we'd do some body surfing. And then we'd get climb into the, the Red Mustang and go up to his house and, and have lunch and, and talk football and, you know, enjoy the brilliant sunshine with the pugs. And having the opportunity to do that with Damo uh, on a regular occurrence uh, will always be special, having a swim with him and, uh, you know, just shooting the ship with him. In his
7: own territory, where he was most
1: happy, where he was at his best, and, and that will always be my favourite memory of his mum. and I'm going to miss him terribly. Yeah, we will uh, as um, as fans as well. Um, we um, yeah, he's a beloved pugs, but uh, obviously son Luke and uh, um, and and those people who, who loved him as as close friends like you did, mate. So uh, uh, he was um, a, a, a real part of the the landscape, the the, the footprint of football in this country, and um, and we'll remember him fondly, mate. So. Uh, uh, we uh, we say farewell to uh, to Damien Lovelock, um, former celibate rival, former soccer fan, and rock star pundit mate, um, as he uh, goes to the the great stadium. And
2: special comments, man, on ABC Radio with Courses, Francis Leach, courtesy of
1: Francis Leach. Got it on your Francis. Thanks for uh, for sharing your, your memories and your thoughts of your great mate.
2: See you on stage. See, you, yeah. See you, Frankie.
1: All right, we'll uh, we'll sign off on box to box for an, another week. Um, and uh, it's not always that we end up on a sad but sort of joyous note because he brought us a lot of fun. And he did. Uh, a lot 65 of good times. years of
2: age these days is very young. Yeah, is. Um Obviously he had um, uh, liver cancer which he succumbed to. And um, yeah, he, he'll be missed. And uh, um, he'll be up in the sky mm-hmm. with Johnny and Liz looking yes. down. And uh, they'll be having uh, one of those conversations like I'm sure they did many years ago. So um, I can only imagine them all together sharing uh, sharing time together again. So uh, well done, Damien, and to his family and to everybody who loved Damien. Uh, he will be missed. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice thought. Okay,
1: that's it for another episode of Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Cup.